Ball spa. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Calc with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Thursday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports. Right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to be along and have you along for the next hour. Try to get into the, some of that NFL stuff we never we never got to yesterday. Do the Cowboys, do they really have a quarterback dilemma? Huh? Ask Jared what his thoughts are on some teams that have struggled early. Who's got the best chance of making the playoffs in each conference? Look forward, because tomorrow's going to be such a busy show, we'll probably need to look forward today uh, to the college football weekend with the in-state schools, Oklahoma State at Baylor, OU at TCU, so we'll break those games down. A brutal beat on the recruiting trail yesterday for Oklahoma, and the the immediate reaction is money, money, money. Texas a cheating, money, money, and that might be true. But if it is, where's well, it's Oklahoma? It's not cheating anymore. Where's That's Oklahoma at? It's well, not, it's not cheating. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's cheating. NIL. It's cheating to pay the guys to come to your school. That's not what NIL is designed for. But they found workarounds, That's, right? It's, it's still cheating. Nick Saban's right. Why the hell do you think Kirby or uh, Jimbo Fisher got so mad this summer when he accused him of cheating to get players? Yeah. Because he knew he was right. Yeah. It is cheating to pay people to come to your school in the recruiting process. That's still cheating, my friend. It is. <laughs> it's, it's still it's, cheating. Uh, it's a tale as old as time. It's still cheating. It's, well, it's, but here's the thing, though. Where is OU? Yeah. OU's never got outbid for people. It's true. Why do you think there's so many banners on the stadium? <laughs> That's true. Where are you? Sound like it was a like Bunch last of Sally's? like a last hour thing. Like boom. In the, in the last hour. Bagmen and Bagmen <laughs> and OU aren't what they used to be. That's no. all I know. Nope. Uh, Aaron Judge ties Roger Maris last night. How do you view that? Uh, we'll talk about those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime in. 225-9698 is the phone of the text line. 225-9698. Give us a call, choose a text. We can talk about those things. Anything else that might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show, log on to kadsam.com, download the Paragon app, easy it's free uh, the paragon app it's got three radio stations it's got the penny news brand new edition of the penny news is out everywhere online print editions go pick up a free copy of that penny news uh big elk tv and paragon tv back on air tomorrow i will tell you we'll talk about that exclusively tomorrow with the with the high school football and also the skinny on sports podcast you can find us on itunes and kadsam.com well jared how are you this morning i'm great how are you did you make some chili last night? I did. I'm trying to figure out where to take it so that it can warm back up. Did it's bring, in my car right now. In a crock pot? In a crock pot. Boy, I bet your car smells like crock pot and a liner. I hope the people that are coming to look at our house today like chili. <laughs> like the smell of chili? <laughs> yes, or? the smell of well, chili. Who doesn't like chili? Well, uh, hopefully, whoever these folks are, hope they really like it. <laughs> they will. <laughs> like it triggers some, some subconscious scent. 
that they love. Like, oh, I love this place. We'll have to say, okay, we'll buy it only because it smells like chili. Perfect timing with our <laughs> with our meeting. If not, horrible timing with our meeting. Yeah. Why it couldn't, could go the other why way. Why couldn't yeah. we have had a chocolate chip cookie bake off? Everybody likes the smell <laughs> of that kind of stuff. I almost did that last So did night. you make chili? I did not. You didn't make chili. I'm not a big uh, chili maker kind of guy. I'm not. I don't have any secret recipes like it sounds like everyone has around here. How do you not make chili? I just don't. I just don't. I don't. I'm not a big. I, I'm just. It's just not me. I will. I will smoke meat. I'll grill meat. I will prepare it like that. But the chili thing is really my wife's cup of tea. Well, why didn't you make her? Why didn't you make her make a batch of chili? Uh, and then take all the credit for it. Clearly, I you don't know me and my wife's relationship. I don't crack a whip and say get it done. <laughs> well, actually, I do I know think you. you sh- I think I, you would know that. Actually, I do. Ask. I do know That's that you I didn't don't have do that. her make chili, Aaron. She yeah. made uh, some great chicken in a. Uh, speaking of crock, was it a crock pot? What do you call that? The ninja maker food thing. I forget what it's called. It's really fancy. Anyway, she made some of that like a ranch chicken thing. You oh, put yeah? on noodles. It was mm. pretty good. No, then I thought, well. Maybe I should make some cookies. And so I was like mentally prepared to come home and make like okay, well what, no yeah. one's talking about making a dessert, so maybe I'll make some cookies. And I come in and I'm ready to make some cookies, and my kids like, hey, can we go outside and play some basketball? I'm like, yeah, let's go. And then some neighborhood ki- kids showed up, and I just stayed. It was such a pretty night. So now I'll just hang out. Once in the again, garage. Jared, you choose family over company. <laughs> <laughs> Darn me! Really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now we know where your loyalties lie. What an arse am I. Jeez, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to the Arnett High School. We got this on the text line. Arnett High School softball team. Everybody's headed somewhere today. That's right. To get the Class A and B regionals going. Arnett's headed to Lakiba Sickles. If things work out today at noon, I'm hoping to catch a game at tournament. 6. Where are they? Lakiba Sickles? Yeah, they're at Arnett? Lakiba. Arnett. Yeah, we'll pull that back up. That's another yeah, we'll, thing we can talk about. Yeah. I hear at the end of the show. Uh, so shout out that, to them. A lot of that starting today. Yeah, we finally got a little clarity of uh, some playing games, at least some four A. Yeah, I had that. Uh, the, I had that wrong. It's Cash and Ada. Clinton's playing Clinton SAS. I thought it was the other way around. Class and SAS. Class and SAS. Yeah. That's going to be Saturday. I actually saw today. Three game, uh, best of three on Saturday for cool. the Lady Reds to try to get into that regional that Oak City will be at. Cool. And I'm sure once those are done this weekend, then we'll see a bracket sometime over the weekend or monday in 4a and that'll be regional regional bracket yeah for a chance to go to state state right yeah they don't have they, they play, don't have a district well they play district they play district right and then from there well, you, you there's qualify some that are a little confused because someone's asked me well how come they're gonna be so far behind it's, no because their entire season is a district tournament that's right yeah there's they they have a district yeah and then the top four well top five Top three get into regionals for sure, mm-hmm. and then four and five play a play-in series play in. to try to get their spot into a bracket. It's kind of so. cool. It's kind of a cool modern way of doing things. Well, right? it, like there's just so many games. more schools from two A up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. there's some. I shouldn't say more, but it, it's a lot easier way to do it than uh, for those schools. And then, of course, you rely on the rankings for the others, and you have actually have a district tournament as opposed to a district schedule because when you think about it out here in class a what what would the district be canute cheyenne arapaho hollis 
Yeah, start with your five county conference in basketball, yeah, break down A the A schools and B, yeah. and B school. Yeah. I mean, what, you'd have to have at least eight, right? Well, you had to have at least five. Well, you're right. To satisfy right. what the bracket just, would to be. To satisfy what the OSSA needs. You're right. So it just makes sense for It'd the smaller ones to do where they're at. for some interesting games throughout the rest of the season. With, I mean, Arapahoe's been playing good. Canute's been playing good. Who else? Hammond's I guess Shattuck is up there. Shattuck is always tough. Anyhow, yeah. you can see why one, yeah. one does it one way and one does it the other. And so that's, yeah, you're right, though. Uh, Clinton and Classen, that'll be on Saturday. Um, Jared. Uh, Aaron. We had a little bit of uh, history last night. And the 3-2. Joel deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. So Judge goes deep, number 61. Frankie Lasagna had a million dollars in his glove, on the tip of his glove, couldn't make the play, reaching down over the wall into the bullpen. That's actually the guy's name that had the best chance of catching that ball. Frankie Lasagna? Frankie Lasagna. He is a, a restaurateur in Toronto. I was going to say, we know what his next career path is going to yep. be. He, he already is. Yeah, a, he's already setting that. That's he's already awesome. a restaurateur there, but he didn't make the play. <laughs> so how fascinating. It's been the huge um, discussion this whole time as Judge has gotten closer. Is okay, the ball and, and how is this going to work and you know this and that. And it turns out some player got it. <laughs> he probably just handed it back to him and said congratulations uh, because of the line drive nature of the home run. But Aaron Judge does tie Roger Maris for the all-time single-season home run record, in my mind, at 61. Yep. One away from breaking the breaking the record, in my mind. Now, listen, I get it. There's no way. And his way. son's mind. I think he kind of said that, too, Roger Maris Jr. Well, who was there alongside yeah. Aaron Judge's mother uh, when it happened That's last cool. night. That's cool. Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of people that if they could have it to have it do over, it's really interesting because I don't think baseball changes what they did at all. Coming out of the strike, knowing what was happening, and allowing all that to happen, and you know the boon that it was for Major League Baseball during the summer of '98, and then into the chase of of Bonds tracking down Hank Aaron and and actually eventually breaking the the single season record as well. I, I think that uh, I think that they wouldn't do that over again because of the money it generated and the the acclaim that that baseball had in that short window. But at the same time, you have to wonder if they don't have a little bit of regret because of the wholesome na- feeling nature of the story, the fact that it's a Yankee breaking a Yankee record that would have stood. You know, Aaron Judge is not going to be. In the in the annals of history, in the, in the baseball record book, he's not going to have the season sing, single season home run record. But I think in the minds of a whole bunch of baseball fans, a whole bunch of sports fans, he's going to. Yeah, there's a lot of respect there because of everything you've said. It's past the um, it's it's post steroid era, and there's no talk of asterisks or or controversy around it, which just surrounded Barry Bonds when when that happened when that went down and then later 
with Sosa and McGuire. I mean, just look at the guys. They were juiced up. There's no denying it. This guy did it the right way in my mind's eye. Uh, I hate that he's in the pinstripes. I mean, it's the dreaded empire of the Yankees, but it is what it is. And you're right. It's a cool story, too, because it's a Yankee uh, catching another Yankee. And now I think the big question is now that he's tied it, is there more pressure to break it? Because it felt like there's a lot of pressure just to tie it. Right. Now Seven games. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an inevitability that he does hit at least one more. You know how I know it's right? You know how I know that we're right? It's because of all the things that just come together in a deal like this. Yankee beating a Yankee. As on the text line, I had this written down. You know how many years it's been since Roger Maris broke that record? I saw it. 61. Right. That number is always a thing, right? I mean, that's that's pretty cool. It's, it's like the – well, I'm not going to compare it to that, but there are coincidences in life that that are that are unexplainable. It just it just happens, right? It just lines it's, up like It's that. just yeah. the, the, the baseball gods with a little G are showing you what it, what it is yeah. and, and what the record really is. It's 61 years apart. Uh, the number 61, and then with we, we Judge, uh, we'll see if he gets 62. But a, a cool moment, and, and as Possum just said on the text line, uh, the, the, the folks in the bullpen actually gave the ball to his mother. Oh, very good. So that's that's really a – it's just a cool thing. And, and I think that, uh, you know, if, if you're Major League Baseball, you have a hard time celebrating it as the record because of the, the way that you did before and how much you embrace those guys and, and – and, I guess rightfully so in some ways because after the strike, so many people were were destroyed. Baseball fans were so destroyed by not having a World Series that year over money. And so this that was a way to, to kind of get everybody back. But I, I do think that deep down, if you put Jim's truth serum in baseball, Major League Baseball folks, they would rather be able to celebrate this than that. Yeah. Yeah, even the controversies generated money because even, even because if people were tuning in the Barry Bonds because either they loved to watch him hit or they hated to watch him hit, and they wanted to see him strike out or the other people wanted to see him hit a home run. So they were still generating attention uh, because I mean you you were getting Major League Baseball coverage on uh, NBC Nightly News for all the wrong reasons, but it inadvertently gathered a much or garnered enough attention to the sport and now it's just like well there's no controversy here and it wasn't there it's kind of a sad state of affair really because there's no controversy there's no allegations on judge of juicing up or or uh you know do anything wrong so people were really paying attention and the mlb has missed out an opportunity to showcase one of their best I mean, if you're in marketing in Major League Baseball, how do you still have a job? You should be fired. <clears throat> you should be fired. Is there anyone else in sports worse than Major League Baseball as far as marketing? The only thing I could think of to even compare it to – Are pro sports? Uh, no, or I'm any. just in, in sports. The only thing I could, could, could even possibly compare this to is the Big 12, the one true champion, the first year of the playoff – when you had a tie yeah, and didn't have a champ- champion, yeah, and champion. it cost you a place in the playoff. <laughs> I mean, that that marketing didn't work well. You know, that, that one didn't go right. But baseball just continues to fail over and over 
and over. And, and now, I don't know. I mean, on the text line, anyway, worse, it said the WNBA. I don't know. I see a lot of. I saw a lot of commercials on ESPN for the <laughs> yeah, WNBA. That's so true. A lot. I mean, okay. Here's a chance. Here's the, here's the question. Do more people know who Sue Bird is or Aaron Judge? Well, I think more people know who Aaron Judge now. Is. Now that this record's been tied. Now I think Aaron Judge wins because you are going to see him on the nightly news. Sure, he's the gonna, different, after here, the season he's going to be at the talk shows and they're going to ask sure. him questions about all this. Despite how the Yankees do in the postseason, but here's the difference though: Sue Bird is also out there in the uh, social justice warrior fight, uh-huh. so that helps her, right, to be known, right. To, the fact that we're even having this conversation and it seems like. A legitimate question is it proves everything I just said about how bad marketing in, uh, is for Major League Baseball. Yeah. Speaking of bad and speaking of sad for a lot of people in this state yesterday, David Hicks, the five-star defensive lineman from Katy, Texas, long rumored to be a silent commit to Oklahoma. I've seen reports even as late as eleven o'clock on. Uh, let's see, this would be Tuesday night. Uh, he had called the Sooner staff and told them he would be committing to Oklahoma yesterday afternoon. And then when it came time to make that commitment, David Hicks chose the Texas A&M Aggies. Brutal, brutal beat on the recruiting tra- trail for the Oklahoma Sooners in a position of huge need if they're going to get to the level that they want to get to, especially heading into uh, the SEC in a year or two. Yeah, it, I mean, those reports were even solid through almost up to zero hour yesterday that, I mean, he was 100% locked in by a lot of recruiting experts, using air quotes on this one. Yeah, and um, then the reports came down that bag men, whatever you want to call them, NIL guys, whatever, got to him very late, and he switched, and I guess he only called, uh, it's all alleged, called one coach at OU, said, I'm making the switch, the other ones were in the dark. The other coach couldn't even get the hold of the other guys as fast before the announcement. Yeah, like 10 minutes made. prior yeah. is what I read. Yeah. And someone pointed out to me, he goes, go back and watch. Look at his mom's face. She was not happy about that ordeal. I mean, it wasn't Landon Collins' mom. Remember that one? Yeah. The LSU uh, Louisiana native that committed to Alabama, and his mom was, I thought, literally going to punch him in the face. Yeah. She wasn't quite to that level. The dad looked nervous. He was able to get a smile on it, you know, after he announced it, have a little smile. But to say that anybody on that stage was comfortable with their it, it decision, all looked uncomfortable. it didn't look comfortable. Now, he looked uncomfortable. After it was over, when you see some of the videos, I mean, he posted a, a video uh, on his Twitter or Instagram or whatever. He looked a lot more loose. So maybe it was just the, the pressure of being in front of people, sure. uh, you know. Uh, but having said that, I mean, obviously, a, a lot of people are pointing to NIL and pointing to money mm-hmm. as the as the the cause the cause for the change. Okay, that that can be that can be all fine and dandy. But here's my question: If that's going to be the excuse every time, then quit making it the excuse. How is Oklahoma? They've never been outbid for players in the past. Listen, this is just truth we're talking here, Oklahoma. And then they've got the probation to prove it. <laughs> Oklahoma has bought players in the past. 
multiple different times throughout history. They've never been one to be outbid for a player. And now all of a sudden, I mean, is this is this the Brent Venables philosophy that's that's not allowing this to happen? Is there some sort of moral compass in the bagmen of OU or the NIL collaboratives at OU that don't believe playing paying players to to come to the school is the right way to do it, but paying them once they get there? I mean, what's going on here? Because we have never seen Oklahoma be outbid for players in the past. Now, every time the Sooners lose one of these big commitments, it's always because of money. Why now? In this, it's never been about being outbid. In this situation, was it they didn't have enough time to make a counter offer? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the beauty of what the A and M. Because here's the thing: they when waited to the last minute. A and M, Louisville, and there's one other. It, it seems like have been the masters of not not necessarily just the NIL. But the late flip because of NIL, in quotations, because of being the quotation. You know, it seems like they, they're, they've they been the ones that have been able to to kind of make these things happen. You know, it's, it, it is what it is, and, and it's it stings because of how highly rated the guy is. And also it stings because A&M keeps on kicking the Sooners' tail with guys that have a lot of – a lot of interest in OU at that position, and it comes down to the end. Now, that's three straight dudes that they've lost. Gabe Dindy, they lost Lebius Overton, whose dad played at OU and went to A&M. And now this one, Hicks, who is supposedly a silent commit to OU for months now. Right. So, I guess – I guess They got to step up. They got – if and especially – listen, it doesn't – you got to step up if you want to compete in the SEC. You got to do it. You got to get to that level of, of getting those guys onto the, onto your program, onto the field, for obvious on-field reasons. But you got to do it the way. It does it smell? Does it feel snaky and slimy and and scumbaggy? Sure, but everyone else is doing it. You better catch up, or you better step up, or be left behind if you're OU. Isn't that surely what it seems like? Absolutely. And like you said, it's not technically cheating, although in my mind it is. I, I think that well, there's, in my there's, mind, there's work around paying for fine. players. They're promising money. I mean, not, did they walk up with an actual, like Scrooge McDuck, with an actual bag of money with money signs on it? Go here, you go, son. Maybe that's why they were so comfortable. The Monopoly guy walks into the room with a cane and, on, and it walks in, just slams the bag of money. So you're in front telling of me you don't think that any of these guys are getting money up front? Well, I don't know that. That's that's. I don't know that, but what I'm saying about workarounds, where they get around from getting in big trouble, like okay, they promise them big the money. trouble. Who in the hell is going to get them in big trouble? No, Nobody I, cares. Yeah, I know. But so to, do, to you, keep do you it, think they like, were hey, sitting now there? Now the NIL is open. It made it much more easier for us to promise these guys money. We go, okay, listen, you come here. I'll give you four million dollars. All you have to do is do one 15 second commercial for my car dealership. You think they were sitting there looking at their bank account? Waiting on the check to hit or the the direct deposit to hit, and then figure out which where which school it came from. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere that is a thing. Listen, it's not about being butt hurt about losing a player. It's about getting in the game. Yeah, don't don't fall behind. Don't fall behind. Got it. It's the modern way of recruiting. Well, I say that it's been always like this. Okay, everybody but Saban's doing this. And I guess Saban do you, do you doesn't think have Alabama's to. doing it because, but 
Saban just turns a blind eye to it. Like he goes, I don't want to know. Probably. I mean, it, to to act like this stuff hasn't happened for all these years with these underground pipelines is a little bit naive. Yeah. I don't think it's always the, but the the difference is I think now that it's in the open, it feels like it's the, the it's the easy excuse to make when you lose. It you know, there was there would be rumblings of oh the bagman hit you know just it tongue in cheek almost before when it was completely illegal. Now it's like the the canned response of oh the bagman oh they got the bag oh da 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 da. Some of that could be true, but also there's other factors and and. I think Al said it, and if Sooner fans weren't so, I don't, they they were convinced because you know who didn't make it the last three weeks to Oklahoma and did two of those to Texas A and M, David Hicks. The writing may have been on the wall; it was just nobody wanted to see it. Right, uh, but better, you know. Yeah, I mean Dakota, he might be right. Better stop recruiting with tradition and history and start making best friends with people with deep pockets. Absolutely. And then I see that Oklahoma's raised $109 million in their collaborative. Where's it going? Maybe quit building buildings and give a guy hundred grand. Is it going to players already there? I don't know. I'm not sure either. Surely if they were spending $109 million, we'd know about it. Toby Keith needs to go on a few tours, raise some money. Yeah. And <laughs> start stuffing some maybe, bags. Maybe our man Quay Cummins can win on the PGA Tour this there you week go. and have a little, a little bit of coin to pass around. There you go. Don't forget, tomorrow uh, we'll have Scott uh, Garrison on first. Garrison fi- uh, Financial Friday with Scott. And then also at 9.30, longtime voice of the Clinton Red Tornadoes, Mr. Dennis Smith will be joining us to break down the big game between the Elks and the Reds. Coming up right here at Big Oak Stadium tomorrow night in District 4A1 action. All right, Jared, Mm. big games in-state. I think to date the biggest game in the Big 12 will happen down in Waco, Texas. Between the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the Baylor Bears, a rematch of the Big 12 title game in which OSU came up. I don't know. What do you think? Is a fingernail too, too wide? To describe how close they were. Pretty close. <clears throat> Dominic Richardson looking like he was going to score a touchdown. was knocked down just shy of the goal line. Uh, denying Oklahoma State of what might have been a chance of the playoff, depending on how th- – you don't ever know how things work out later on in the day. But um, anyhow, for sure a Big 12 title. To me, this is going to be the first real challenge for that Oklahoma State revamped defense. Derek Mason taking over for Jim Knowles. Uh, we beat a dead horse with the losses they had at linebacker and at safety. And that's where I think the challenge lies is Baylor's ability to run and to pass and then taking the aggressiveness of what from what we've seen of those linebackers and using it against them. Play action and hitting them over the top or down the seam with the linebackers flying up, misreading what's going on, and then giving up some plays in the passing game. For Baylor to do that and make that effective, obviously the run needs to be um, at least a, a bit of a weapon to force Oklahoma State to to kind of react to it. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see OSU's defense in this spot and how they can try to contain the Baylor offense. Shaping uh, looked a lot better last week up at, uh, at uh, excuse me up at at Iowa State in that win over the Cyclones. 
Yeah, he just you don't know what guy you're gonna get. He's kind of like, um, well, Taylor Martinez. Is he gonna play good one Saturday and then and play eh the other? But that's yeah. I I I actually feel good about the OSU's defense against that offense because I wasn't. I mean, I'm yes, that was a great win at Iowa State or a good win. But I mean, the offense isn't going crazy with a lot of with a lot of yards and a lot of points. So I I like the. And I think the defenses look, outside of the first game for OSU, they've looked very good um, in a revamped, rebuilt offense with a new defensive coordinator. So on that side of the ball, I, I think OSU might have a slight edge. Baylor averaging 41, uh, 431 yards each game. They just don't look flashy doing it, do they? Yeah, that's the thing. They it's not what we're used to seeing in this conference. They're really balanced, 224 passing, 207 rushing. Uh, to get to that 431, uh, Reese, the the freshman running back, has looked pretty good uh, offensive line. You know, but Baylor's just here's the deal: they're they're the antithesis of the Art Briles Baylor teams, right? Right. Uh, this, they, they were flashy, they were bold, they were brash, they were right in your face. These uh, this Dave Aranda group of Bears isn't that. It, it kind of quietly go about their business, a lot like their head coach. And really methodical in what they do. Uh, don't get too high. Don't get too low emotionally during a game. And you know, a lot of uh, there's a lot of good traits. You know, it's it's amazing what watching you know the last quarter and then the overtimes of the BYU game does to mold your perception of Shapen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look at what he's done. Sixty nine of a hundred. So he's hitting on sixty nine percent. He's thrown for seven hundred and seventy five yards in four games. So, uh, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. He's thrown seven touchdowns in a pick. But but watch it. But it, I'm, I'm with you, though, watching that. It was like they didn't have any trust in him in the second half or in the fourth quarter in the overtime. They didn't have the trust in him to go make a play and win the game. That seemed to disappear last week. Maybe it was out of necessity because they saw, the coaching staff saw, okay, we can't win games like this. We have to let him turn it loose. And he did, and, and they put 31 on the yeah, board against Iowa State. every conference game is so big, you know. 100%. So, and they're probably saying, well, we can lose. We can we can afford to lose to BYU because BYU is a good team, and we can go and run this table on this conference, get a title, give ourselves an opportunity. So, they, yeah, they had to make a change. Yeah, I think they just realized they couldn't do it without cutting him loose. We've got to let him either live live with mistakes I think it's a little bit of what we saw with uh, Adrian Martinez the other night too. Sure, that they he had to turn it loose. They had to let him turn it loose. Do you think um, there's any motivation from last the, the way the Big Twelve title game ended last year? 100%. I know and there's a, the portal and and the a lot of guys left. Or I mean, this is fairly a younger OSU team. But do you think that's um, for those who were a part of that game and then now here they are? Do you think like oh, man, we got to avenge that? We got to show the world that that was a fluke. I don't think there's any doubt there is. Wouldn't you? I mean, especially you, you for would hope so. Especially a coach, for a couple of guys, yeah. uh, and both on the offense. One Spencer Sanders and two Dominic Richardson. I mean, I've, uh, there's a story in the paper today about that, where he's you know he's thought about it. You know how close he was and what he should have done or what he could have done differently in order to make that result turn out a little bit differently. Um, I think the OSU offensive line to me has the hardest task of any group in this game. We talk about Ika, uh, Jackson players. He, he was the transfer from uh, Tulsa down there on the defensive line. I think OSU's offensive line 
has to be able to at least hold their own against those guys up front for Baylor to be able to establish some sort of run game, whether it comes from Richardson, whether it comes from Ollie Gordon or one of the other running backs, or whether it comes from Spencer Sanders. I do think OSU is going to have to be able to be uh, successful running it because I don't know if you want Sanders back there just slinging it around 50 times on Saturday. No, you got it. It's just like any formula. Have a balanced run game and pass game. You don't want to force it on all on one guy. But you're I'm with you because if Sanders, as great as he's looked, if it's all on him, he's his tendencies to make mistake. That the chances are go a little up. Have to have that balance. Have it's, to have that balance on the game on the ground to take that pressure off of him. Because when he's not pressured, he's a really really good quarterback. And that run game should involve Sanders too. Oh, I think that the run game probably needs to start with him to loosen things up in the middle a little bit. Um, Sanders, for for all the the good and the bad, it's been it's been pretty bad against Baylor. Um, he's thrown in four games against the Bears, which uh, the Cowboys have split, uh, gone two and two. He's thrown ten picks and fumbled twice, so twelve turnovers in four games against Baylor. Uh, we, we mentioned it, uh, seven last year, seven interceptions last year against the Bears, nine uh, in, in the first three games. And, and then I went all the way back to the 2019 homecoming game, which I was at because I remember, wait a minute, he fumbled a couple times in that game. And sure enough, uh, a pick and two fumbles. So three, turn, three turnovers has been his average. I don't think he can afford to do that on Saturday and Oklahoma State come out of there with a win. No, that's – I'm – not trying to be mean, that's just obvious statements. You you can't afford to play like that and, and turn the ball over and expect to have success and win. Which is crazy because they have. That is crazy. He cra- has yeah, turned they, it over like that and they've won it. twice. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You know, they almost came they almost overcame four picks last year. And really should have <laughs> even after all of that. They should have won yeah. that game. Yeah. And to me that clearly points in the direction of Oklahoma State was better than Baylor last year. I mean, they won by 10 points with him, with him throwing three picks. And they almost won a title with him throwing four. Uh, but still, that, that that has to be a concern. And then the one – man, to me, the one advantage that Oklahoma State has against about anybody is the pace with which they can play offensively. But how much of a double-edged sword is that? It's all well and good – to play with pace when you're flying up and down the field and scoring points and lighting up that scoreboard. But when you try to play with pace and you don't and you can't get started and you're stuck in the mud, at that point then how much of a detriment is it going to be on that defense? Uh, you know, to just say the opening kickoff OSU tries to go fast to go three and out, Baylor gets it goes and scores, kicks it back off, same thing happens. All of a sudden you know, even early in that game, that time of possession, which we saw last week in Norman, really play a part down the stretch. Uh, you know, the, you don't want that ticking too far against you if you're the Cowboys and putting your defense out there all the time. But at the same time, you got to be who you are. So I, I think there's a there's a pretty delicate balancing act there uh, for Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy on the offensive side of how much they want to really press the tempo versus also having a little bit of an eye back toward their defense and trying to keep them as fresh as they can for all four quarters. Yeah, it's such a contrast of styles. 
you mentioned the pace of OSU, and, and Baylor seems more of an old school, just grind it out, keep their offense on the field as long as they can, and wear it, wear the defense out. It, it's and that is a thing, and that's the thing about that fast pace. You saw it in, seen in, with OU a few times, where looking a nice four yard run on first down, miss on second down, suddenly it's third and long, and they can't complete. Then boom, it's one, two, three, and out. You can't have that against a team like Baylor. So if you're OSU, and that is their identity, is to go fast, go quick, and, and, and move the football, move the chains. But if they are, were to have a three and out, it's and I've said it a million times, it's kind of like the first on, on first tee box, your first drive. If it goes bad, it just kind of sticks with you the rest of your round. The first drive of a football game, if it goes bad, a three and out, kind of sticks with you, doesn't it? You just see that. You see it kind of stick with the team. Well, I think when you play fast and and that happens, you start to press. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then that's, and, when, the and that's mistakes when the mistakes can come. Happen. Yeah. Um, when you look at the time of possession so far this year, to your point, Baylor averages having the ball about thir- uh, thirty-two minutes a game. OSU, on the other hand, twenty-five. So that you know that that already tilts Baylor's way without even seeing how the how the game goes. You know what's interesting to me? Hmm. When you look at the FPI, the ESPN's FPI, which is the computer generated thing. Um, rankings and all that, they give Baylor a 65% chance to win this game. Seems rather high. God, it seems high to me. It's a, it's only, a, according to this, two-point spread with Baylor a two-point favorite. That, I mean, there's there's home field that I'm sure goes into that. Uh, there's matchups in here and there that goes into that. But, man, it, you, you really think OSU would lose this game seven out of ten times? seems really high to me this feels more like a 50 50 than a 70 30 yeah i can't quite place it in my mind i can see both teams winning um in different scenarios if you had to back me in the corner and ask me who's going to win i'm actually leaning osu but maybe like by three i think think it's going to be a good game i think we're gonna have a fun game like we did in arlington last year i think it's going to be a good game um on the text line, Spencer, uh, Sanders needs to play like a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, bigger game than Notre Dame last year. In some ways, it is. In some ways, I agree with that. It's not maybe the complete national stage like it was um, a year ago on New Year's Day. But at the same time, this also the winner of this game is 100% in the driver's seat headed toward headed down the road toward Arlington. And especially if it's OSU. For OSU to get that notch on their belt of a win in Waco, you know that that immediately jumps to the top of the list of the best wins in the Big Twelve, right alongside, I guess, Kansas State last week at Oklahoma. But when one of the when, when the so-called good teams or the the top tier teams, when one of them can get a road win against one of the others, it's a huge, huge feather in OSU's cap if they can get it. I'm kind of like. I'm, It's hard to know. I, I can't it's wait hard. to it's, watch this yeah. game, and because I think we know a little bit more about Baylor because of the road trip to BYU. You know, with with the with the, the way that Arizona State oh, fired a coach, completely imploded. You know, what do we really know about the Pokes at this point? Not a ton. Not a lot. This will tell a lot. Um, Will the winner of this be in the top five? Probably not. You know, we didn't talk about just completely offshoot. Did Did you hear about that allegation that 
Herm Edwards' staff was leaking yes. info to opponents. Do you think that had a thing with OSU too? I don't think know. They're leaking info. How, how how do you leak info? I mean, how do you just call them, email them, yeah, accidentally I, leave the playbook behind after warmups? I mean, what's going on here? Man, that I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If that was really happening, and you're you're on the team with those assistant coaches that were doing that, either one, you hated Herm Edwards so bad that you don't mind it, or two, how do you not just fight those guys? <laughs> For giving you no chance to win behind yeah, your back. Just to get a guy fired. Yeah, that's... Wow. You know, there's going to be some things coming up. Oh, it's just up. an allegation. I haven't seen anything else come up from it. Well, there's... Uh, excuse me. There's some coffee. There, there, there's going to be some things come up still because of, you know, some, some COVID practices and, you know, where, where they weren't following those protocols out there at Arizona State, which... I guess that maybe that's all the NCAA, NCAA can do from a perspective of enforcement. Oh, you guys were cheating against COVID. You know, uh, don't worry about playing paying players. You guys do that. Speaking of, <laughs> while we're on this, did you see what happened this week? While we're talking about OSU, if I'm Mike Boynton, I mean, I may go strangle somebody. The slap oh, on the wrist um, that Penny for, got, Memphis Penny and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what it shows you. USC proved this for a long time, and OSU's disproven it or proven it in the, in the other direction. Do not cooperate with the NCAA. They have no, they they have no teeth. No, they have no subpoena power. They have nothing. And the only reason OSU got in the trouble they did is because they, they because they cooperated. They were transparent. Right. I mean, even an FBI wiretap from a coach down at LSU wanting to pay they never hundreds so of thousands yeah. of dollars to get DeAndre Ayton didn't matter. I guess because they didn't get him or what. But still, you know, that's it, it, just the, the, the ridiculousness of, of that situation will just blow your mind. <laughs> Yes, it will. All right, we'll make a pick tomorrow, I guess. Because I, I still don't know who I think is going to win this I game. I might have tipped my hand, but that's all right. I think it's going to be a good one. All right, Oklahoma at TCU. Uh, Sooners coming off that loss to Kansas State. TCU still undefeated uh, with the win uh, in Dallas against SMU last week. TCU, on paper, a better offense than what Kansas State rolled into Norman with last week. Different challenge in, the, in that the way that they play offense, they're not going to just – well, you hope if you're a Sooner fan, they don't just beat you up like the Kansas State uh, run game did and that offensive line did. More of a spread attack, more of a finesse, but we'll still use the run. Max Duggan can run. Uh, he had 92 yards in a previous game against OU. Uh, Sooner defense, it, it's hard to, to figure out what happened from what we saw uh, the first three weeks versus what we saw last week with Adrian Martinez running up and down the field in Norman. How do they respond? How can they respond uh, in a game that um, – Boy, if you're Brent Venables, you sure don't want to lose this one and start your Sooner coaching career 3-2, and 0-2 oh in conference play. Yeah. I think schematically they got to switch up to allow Grimes and Downs to get open more or to get freed up more to rush the quarterback. That was a big thing last week when they we had no edge rush at all. Uh, they were going up the middle. Martinez was finding more time to throw it downfield. Secondary just broke down. When you give them that much time, I mean – Good quarterbacks and wide receivers will connect. So I think schematically they're gonna. You can't just okay. It didn't work against Kansas State. Let's do the same thing against TCU. TCU is gonna. That's they're gonna look at that film and go exact. Go straight to okay. Shut down those two guys. We got a great chance to have success on the ground and in the air. 
So figure out how to get those guys more involved. That's where I think it starts defensively. Yeah, this was a, a common theme with the folks I was watching the game with. Played, where's Jaron Canick? See, Played I asked Jaren that question before Kanick. the game even started. So do you think well, he'll see more playing time? I mean, I was discussing with other guys, and you're right, didn't see him. Deshaun White played every snap. Um, I'm sure there's a little hesitancy, and you can tell there is because of when you hear Venables talk about him, talking about how he still doesn't know what he's doing. And, and in, a game, in a game against a team like Kansas State – that's more precise, more disciplined. You know, I'm sure there was a worry of using his aggressiveness against him, his lack of of experience against him. But you know what it sure looked like OU needed on the field last week to try to help stop Adrian Martinez? Athleticism. And it sure looked like Jaron Kanick has all kinds of that at his disposal. Even if he's not getting – like he'll get to the quarterback, and, and I've seen that more than once this year, that the quarterback will sidestep him, but he'll have enough hand on him to slow him down, disrupt the the, the protection, and, and force uh, either an incomplete or, or an, a sack by another guy, right? He Canick almost looks too fast for himself. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. using that using that he against used, him. Yeah, yeah. So I, you're right, he needs to be more involved. I mean, I he's, think he does, but I, but I get the hesitancy because – yeah, he can fly, but flying out of place is still flying out of place. Mm-hmm. And you're setting yourself up to not be where you're supposed to be. Having said that, I mean, you got to have him out there at least a little bit just to see uh, what he can do. What's with the slow starts? Uh, Oklahoma, first game of the season against UTEP, 21 nothing, boom, right out of the gate. Since then, though, the last three games, on both sides of the ball, frankly, slow starts. You know, um, was it Akron on the opening possession? Move Ak- the ball. Akron. Is it Akron? Kent State. Kent State, yeah. Move the ball some. Uh, the, the Sooners offense obviously didn't score until right before halftime. Up at Nebraska, Nebraska's offense goes right down the field. And then last week, both sides starting slow, falling behind 14 nothing. What is with those slow starts? How do the Sooners fix that? They got to quit trying to establish an identity every game it's like levy thinks we're this is this is what i'm seeing and this is what we got to do to have success kent state he thought well we got to run the ball and and we're going to be pounding the ball and he was almost stuck doing it to a point he was stubborn adjust just adjust just okay running's not working first three four run plays it, it it's been stymied so let's figure something else out i think it's a stubbornness thing and that's just Levy's style, and he's still a young dude, and he'll figure this out. Figure this out. But to me, I think that's what I'm seeing. It's just kind of a, kind of offensively, anyways. Just okay. The game plan was this. We're going to stick with the game plan, and it's okay to to change that. Game plans change, man. I mean, that's the flow of a game. You ask any coach, they'll say, "Yeah, we had to change our game plan. We had to make adjustments." He's got to make adjustments quicker than what he what he has been. How do you do that with a quarterback that isn't up to the caliber of what you're used to seeing in, in Crimson and Cream? It's true. I don't know. It's funny to me. It's just all of this stuff, it, 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 like everybody talks out of both sides of their mouth, Sooner fans that is, because it's all we can't establish a run. we got to use the pass. we got to use the pass to set up the run. He misses oh, the but Our quarterback isn't any good. Passes. Oh, why can't he throw just a simple out? You know? There's a newsflash. He's not Baker Mayfield. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Kyron or Kyron. He's not Kyler Murray, but he is a solid quarterback. Look at his numbers, right? But he has missed some key throws. I'll I'll give him that. Oh, there's no doubt. But he's he 
he's more of a – I mean, he hasn't thrown a pick yet. Is that a problem? That he hasn't thrown a pick? Mm-hmm. Like, he, like okay, get, He's not turning it loose. He's not trying to make right, plays yeah. because he's so worried about taking care of the ball. You know what I saw for the first time against Kansas State? Instead of taking a sack, you know what he did? He threw it away. He threw three rows into the or mm-hmm. three the ball three rows into the stands. But is there also a throw that he could try to make between a couple of people that can result in a big or a, a first down, right? A big play that he's not willing to what not willing to try. And he kind of did that at Nebraska, but they were up by like what three two scores at the point when he threw at the Weiss. Mm-hmm. He kind of thread the needle on that one, and Weiss helped him out. That was a great catch in the end zone. And I was thinking, okay, that's what we wanted to see. Maybe that's what he needs to see to make those throws, but we haven't seen it since. Those yeah. risky throws I that don't, you're talking about. I'm not sitting here telling you he's been the problem because I don't think he's been the problem. It's easy to point out one play or two plays every week and go, man, he missed that one. Yeah, he did. And and Sooner fans aren't used to seeing that. But at the same time, here I, I think it probably happened more with those other quarterbacks you mentioned than you remember but what did they do? They turned around. They turned right around and made a, play. made a play. Whereas it seems like every time he misses, it's either fourth down, third down, it's a punt, and it, it, it never goes back the other way. You don't, you don't get to forget that play because it's the, it's the lasting image from each drive. Yeah. But he's not the solution either. Or he hasn't been the solution. This feels like it. this is just a bridge. This is just to get us to – to get OU, I need to stop doing that. Get OU where they want to be. You, that makes sense. He's a nice guy, a nice quarterback. It made sense to bring him in because of his ties with Levy and because of the cupboards were bare. Uh, sure, <laughs> I mean you had well, to yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have absolutely had to have him this year. Here, here's what I think. But what happens? Next I think spring? in four years. I think in two or three years. This offense, Dylan Gabriel running this offense, will be good enough to win a bunch and win, win. But what? But what? With what was left on the defensive side of the ball, with Venables coming in, it's not good enough. No, no, that's it's not good enough. In order to to reach the heights that that Oklahoma wants to reach, and and I'll still and I'll continue to say this, and it happens, and so it, it's to be expected. But who listening right now that's frustrated with the way that Oklahoma played last Saturday had them being in the playoff anyway this year? You're looking, you're looking daggers. Well, I mean, at me no, no. Man. I mean, you did, but but I, like we said, but the I've point. I've given my explanation. But for the that. the point of it all but, is yeah. this: they're not underperforming or under overperforming at this point. At this point, they kind of are what everybody thought they were going to be pregame. Except for one thing. I think a lot of people had OU 3-1 and one right now. But you know what? I think a lot of people thought Nebraska would beat OU. And for some reason, that makes you feel better about yourself because of the name Nebraska instead of the name Kansas uh-huh. State. Yep. And when it is Kansas State, what's the first reaction you have? Here we go again. Nothing's changing. This is what always happens when we play Kansas State. It doesn't matter who the coach is. We need to quit pretending that Venables has been a 
experienced head coach. This is his first year. This is his first year. And we got to quit pretending that this is like his fifth year on campus. And Oklahoma, no one thought Oklahoma was going to be what Oklahoma has been because of that. I saw this yesterday, but I wasn't exactly sure what how to how to say it. I saw this last night, but for the first time, you know what the OYE is? The Oklahoma Youth Expo. Yeah, it's always been a big deal. It's always been a stock show. Yeah. Well, they had a shooting competition yesterday. Okay. And the Beckham County Shotgun Shooters are the grand champion OYE shooting sports team. Oh, that's great. I think I saw that too. Reese, Mason, I can't remember. And then I also saw in a related post to this, out of 600-ish, a little over 600 shooters, Bregan Barnett from Merritt. Yeah. The young lady out there, senior this year, I believe. She was the top overall shooter in the entire competition. Wow. If I read that post right. That is awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations That's to all the, the Beckham County team, Bregan, and everybody else. And I know there was a bunch of teams from around this area that had really good results in that shoot. And she plays basketball, right? Yep. She can shoot it all over the place. <laughs> oh, dear. What, you got a text you yeah. want to share with us? I know, I don't. <laughs> oh, boy. On topic, uh, just a different topic. You're friends, man. Uh, <laughs> maybe just friend. They somehow know how to get you to snort on air. <laughs> that was a good one. That really was a good one right there. <laughs> oh man anyhow <laughs> where was i Whew, that's, that's hot cool would you get that <laughs> yeah i did text from uh mr sparks mr sparks i like the look getting ready for the big game and getting some logos out there that's cool it's kind of where the show stopped down after one text i gotta I, sometimes <laughs> like i wonder well, 10 i need to look yeah right <laughs> here at the end all right we're gonna say the nfl uh, for tomorrow again we just we went we carried on and on. Big game tonight. Big game tonight. Bengals and Bengals and Dolphins. Man, no love lost there. It's turn the, into some little bit of a rivalry. The Bengals versus the Dolphins. I'm anxious to see the Bengals in that. The white. Yeah. A white helmet with their white. That looks cool. Will Tua play? Will Jalen Waddle play? My fantasy team hopes Jalen uh, hopes both of those two two play, especially Jalen Waddle. They've got a tough matchup this week. Starting two and one, but the team that scored has to have scored the most points in the league, or at least right there toward the top. Can't can't afford to not have old Jalen Waddle running around out there catching passes. <laughs> Do you think there really is a, some sort of quarterback controversy in Dallas, or is that just a made up thing until Dak gets back? Because Cooper Rush has been really good. On tonight's episode of Dallas, who's going to play quarterback for Jerry? And how much does Jerry cause a lot of this crap? He likes to stir the pot. He does like to stir it. He has a big stick. He He's going to stir it up. He has what? I, uh, you know, a big spoon, a big stick to stir it oh. up. Whoa. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, dude. Good Whoa. night almighty. Anyway, yeah, I think he thinks he's like, okay, I'll uh, create this. I'll plant this dilemma talk out there to uh, motivate Dak. Because I'm paying him enough, he better play up to the 
to his paycheck. But I tell you, man, someone's going to get a good quarterback out of Cooper Rush if they want to sign him in the offseason. There's a there's some there's some teams that need a guy like him. If he's yeah. paired with the right OC. Yeah, uh, I know one. I know a few, but which one? The Dallas Cowboys. Well, that's great. That's good. That's good. They need a guy like him. You know where I think he'd fit? Where? Tennessee. Ah, maybe. I feel like they might be getting a worse version of what they already have, though. <laughs> uh, okay, right quick. I'm going to give you four AFC, AFC teams that have struggled early. Which one of these do you think is most likely to make the playoffs? Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, or Colts? Because uh, Pats are dealing with injury with Jones. I haven't seen the severity of it. Um, I've never trusted the Raiders, and I think the curse is a thing. So I'll say the Colts. I would agree. Uh, division goes a long way there. Yeah, that too. Okay, in the in the NFC, Arizona, San Francisco, or New Orleans? San Francisco. I'm going to go with Arizona because with the, the they've struggled, yes, but they can also get to three and three when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. And if we'll, we'll if you'll do a comparison, the numbers with Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins versus the numbers with Kyler Murray without are staggering. So maybe right. this is the reverse season because of Hopkins missing. The first six weeks, the the Cardinals will struggle early and become a juggernaut late. And by the way, Jimmy G, I don't trust the Rams. You don't trust him? Uh, not really. Okay, not all the way. I I think he's harder to trust now than he was before because he already was shown by the organization that they didn't want him. Yeah, but th- could that motivate him? Go, you didn't want me. Watch me. Sure looked like it didn't last week against the Broncos. Albeit the Broncos have a very, very, very good defense. That is true. How about how about um um uh trying to quickly pull it up? Didn't Hollywood have a day? Yeah, he had like fourteen catches. Career high. What if that's in a loss between him and Kyler? Oh, you'd think that that would just open it up once Hopkins comes back. Yeah. Everybody have a great Thursday. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening.